0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to the show. Jessica Stevens here, your host of I Just Blank Now What the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me for another Now What Wednesday episode where we bring amazing, inspiring stories from guests who have had life come at them and they had to figure out their own Now What. Today's guest, I am so excited to share with you. Ate and I had the most inspiring conversation. I was literally just itching to get this this episode edited and done and out and live to all of you. And so I pushed it way way up in the season to get it out because I loved our conversation so much. And she's going to be sharing the story of how she went from being in debt to building a business that Bill Gates purchased. Yes, the one and only Bill Gates bought her business for multiple millions of dollars. So she's going to be kind of sharing the story of where she was, what was going on in her life, and how this all came to be. It is packed full of so many amazing lessons and perseverance and you name it. So buckle up and get ready for a good one. Before we do that, let's learn a little bit about Beate. She is a growth architect and founder of the Women's Code and provides visionaries and leaders with strategies that grow your authority so that you can scale so they can scale scale their impact. A first generation immigrant who found herself in $135,000 in debt as a single parent, Beate bootstrapped her passion for photography into a highly successful global business and eventually sold it to Bill Gates in a multi-million dollar deal. She is amongst the top 100 global thought leaders by People Hum and one of 50 must-follow women entrepreneurs by Huffington Post. Beate is the author of the number one international award-winning Amazon bestseller, Happy Women, Happy World, How to Go from Overwhelmed to Awesome, a book that corporate trainer and best-selling author Brian Tracy calls a handbook for every woman who wants health, success, and a full career. So without further ado, let's get to the now what. Have you ever had a situation happen in your life that you weren't expecting, good or bad, and said to yourself or out loud, oh my gosh, I just fill in the blank, now what? Me too, friend, me too. I've had quite a few actually. And in the moment, I never knew what I was gonna do next. Of course, I had to figure it out, sometimes the hard way, but I did figure it out. So join me and some amazing guests this season as we all share our own, I just blank, now what stories, so we can all learn from their transformational lessons to help us all answer that lifelong and often paralyzing question, now what? Hey friend, did you just think to yourself, I just love this podcast, now what? Well, I hope you do, and if you did, I got the answer. Become a patron and support the show. For just a $5 financial gift a month, you can access episodes early and without ads. Plus, you'll be entered to win our monthly Patreon giveaway, like books and courses from our guests and some fun merch. For just a $10 a month contribution, you'll become an all-access patron and also get bonus exclusive content from me and some of our guests. Behind the scenes, Q&A, bonus questions, all of it. So head over to patreon.com backslash I just blank and now what? Or click on the link in the show notes and become a patron today. All right. Well, hello, Beate.
1: Jessica, I'm so excited to be here with you.
0: Me too. This has been a long time coming. You and I connected and then there was a big gap and then, you know, you were sick and then I was traveling and then I got like, so we're finally here virtually in the same hallelujah. Yes, exactly. (laughs) All right. We have lots to talk about today, so I'm not going to do much chit chat here. Obviously, I just read your wonderful bio to everybody. So they know a little bit about you, but I always love for guests to share something about themselves that they want the audience to actually know about them.
1: Yeah. I think that one of the things that is special or different about me is I really like strategy, workflows, operations, and processes and systems. And this is the stuff that a lot of people go like, well, can I just go in the creative and design, 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 I like, I like the building, the building, the platform or the building, building out. How do we, how do we take this out? What's the system behind it? You know, so if you say, you know, to give you an an example, one of my clients says, I want to build a framework for an ethical AI for, you know, and it's like very specific for search engines for luxury brands. So that when, you know, you type in whatever your, your, your preference for a bag, that there is no bias, but that AI delivers unbiased and ethical search results. And so when I hear something like that, that gets me excited because then I can go and say, oh, let's build a system. Let's, let's, let's build the language to explain to people what that even means. Let's help you to figure out what the different components of it are on how you can sell this to people and uh, what the different elements are doing. What's a complete client transformation journey? How many slices do we have? I find this extremely exciting.
0: And fascinating. And you're like, let me geek out on all of this. Yes. So,
1: (laughs) so, you know, because people always say, it's like, what's a business strategist do? Well, that's what a strategist does. It looks at, you know, I look at the overall picture, the idea, the plan, and then I'll, and I'll come with my big fat you know, bread knife and I'll bake all of this knowledge into a bread and then I slice it and then we'll figure out how we're going to have each of the slices.
0: Awesome, I love it. All right, so your story that you're sharing with us today is a big one and it is the story of you selling your business to Bill Gates.
1: That is absolutely correct.
0: Yes. And, and then, then what? <laughs> and then figuring out like, what do you do after that? Because for many people listening, I'm sure is like, well, that's that's like that's that's the peak. Like having an amazing business, building it up, and then having Bill Gates want to buy it. Like, what do you do after that? So can you rewind the tape for us? Tell us a little bit about that story, you know, what your business was about, you know, how did you meet Bill Gates? How did he decide he wanted to buy it? And then what did you figure out you wanted to do after that? Because some people have been like, it's time to retire. But you were like, no, no, there's more to me and business growth in the future. So yeah, share,
1: share with Yes, us. Yes, I want to sort of set the preamble on this a little bit and say that sometimes, especially if you believe in spirituality or in purpose, or you have a very clearly defined why, the first step is just the first step. And this is really my story of having had this first step and then discovering what the step was that was after that. And that is the, you know, I sold my business Gates and now what? A part of it that we're going to get to. But the original story starts very simply with somebody who probably like a lot of your listeners, Jessica, are not fitting in and kind of wondering, you know, what did I come here for? What's my purpose? What am I supposed to do? And in Germany, where I come from, we have a lot of support in how things are done the right way, you know, by the book. And so when I went through my career aptitude test, I was filling out page after page after page, and it asked questions like, are you are you afraid of being outside? No. "Do you, Are you afraid of heights? No. Do you mind carrying heavy stuff? No. And so I go through all of this. And then this aptitude test after 16 pages said, I should have been a roofer (laughs) now. No, it's not that I have a problem with roofers per se, but it was certainly not a career choice that I felt was a logical conclusion for me. Yeah. And so as I then, you know, looked at the results, I'm like, this sucks. And she says, well, what do you want to be? And I said, well, I would like to be a jewelry designer. And she says, too many jobs, not enough jobs, too many applicants. I want to be a textile designer, too many applicants, no jobs. Oh, Fine, I'll be a photographer, too many applicants, no jobs. I'm like, this is ridiculous. It's like, so why are you even asking me what I want to be if everything you shoot down? And then she says, well, don't you want to be a secretary? I'm like, no, 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 no. And then there was a moment. How
0: old were you when you did this test?
1: Uh, I was 16.
0: Okay. So this is like a high school, like.
1: Yeah. 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 Very, very early on because, you know, in Germany, there's a, there's a program for everything. You just don't decide to become something. You actually have to do some sort of education to become anything in Germany. Okay. And, and so there we go. And then I went to photography school anyway, I became a photographer anyway and then there was this moment where I stood on this glacier in Switzerland, and my job as the assistant at the time was to bring in a car that was going to give a, be given away as a price. And it came in a helicopter, so I had to organize a helicopter, and I had to figure out how to get this car with a helicopter on top of a glacier. And there's this moment where I'm standing on a glacier in Switzerland, and this helicopter comes up. It's like James Bond, like it's like... Ch-ch-ch-ch. And you see the, the the blades come up and then you see the helicopter come up and then you see this big net and there's the Audi Quattro underneath of it and it's flying and it's dropping that car right there in front of you. And I'm like, I am outside. I am definitely schlepping stuff and I'm not afraid of heights. I'm doing exactly what the test said I should be doing. It just wasn't interpreted right. That was my first insight in life in general to realize that That the interpretation of what other people have, of what you're good at, isn't necessarily resonating with you. So I then, however, realized that I wasn't really that great of a photographer. I was much better at the business side behind things. You know, I liked organizing and producing and things like that. So Mm -hmm. I became an editor at Elle Magazine. And then after working there for about two years, it was, let's just say everything that they tell you about working at fashion magazines is probably true it is just a very difficult environment to be in i loved the work i loved working with the photographers i loved my job the people the politics you know not so much so i quit i left everything i immigrated to the united states and then i became a you know representative a photography producer i had i got married i had a baby and as i sort of like in this moment it all hell breaks loose i find out my my ex-husband is an alcoholic and he is a pathological liar so none of the things that he said were actually true i'm filing for divorce now we are talking recessions fires floods riots earthquakes so and i get you know and i get and i get laid off like in the middle of all of this and i have to figure out how in the world am i as a single mom immigrant with a with a baby, you know, six months old. How am I going to figure out how to how to do all of this by my own while I'm going through this horrific divorce? And that's really when this decade of bad luck started, of just having all these obstacles. And those were not little obstacles, Jessica. Those were like frying pan obstacles. Like every time, you know, and I'm sure you you can relate, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners can relate to this. It's like every time you think you got it figured out, you go like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I it's like Poof. and you go, Oh, all right. Okay, life so- came at you. <laughs> like, like exactly. Life just life just comes at you. And so now, now, fast forward this 10 years later, I'm just like struggling and and I've 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 finally worked myself to about a million dollars in business. So I'm in the top whatever four percent of all small businesses. I'm, you know, having revenue of a million dollars. I'm going, like, yeah, you know, finally self-care, finally vacation, you know, it's like all great. And then I, this moment comes and and I don't know if you can relate to this, but I had a feeling in my stomach that was a pit in my stomach, like something is not right here. And I fired my employee only to find out two weeks later that I fired her too late. She already had set up this whole idea of how to run a business with my key vendor, with which was my business, but without me. And then they had convinced my clients to pay invoices that I wrote to them, made up lies over, you know, me cheating. I mean, none of this was even true. So I sued them and I get involved in this like massive lawsuit because you know, from Germany, I feel that, you know, if you're right, you're right. And isn't the justice system about justice. And if you're right, and somebody cheated you and lied to you and betrayed you, you should be able to use the justice system to be told that That it's
0: straight. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's that. That was my, my impression. And as I go in, in, in this lawsuit, I'm realizing it is, it couldn't be further from, from the truth. Because the truth really is, you pay, so lawyers can write letters to each other and make a fortune doing that. Mm-hmm. And so, and the whole point is to see who bleeds out of money first doing a lawsuit like this. So I get really deep into debt, about one hundred thirty thousand dollars, and I'm going, man, this is getting a little tight here because I just lost all this business because they've taken it away. But I had a production company, so now September rolls around, Jessica, and my my book is flush, right? So Levi Wrangler. Mercedes-Benz, BMW, I mean, the jobs are stacked for the next six months. I'll have the cash flow, I'll survive. I wake up on September 11th, and it's all over. In 24 hours, I lost the rest of the business, completely. I mean, it was just done. There was not anybody in their own right mind who would go on an airplane, fly to Los Angeles, and then produce here after the planes were just used and weaponized you know, to kill a bunch of people. So with the towers, so went my business. So now I'm 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 freaking out, but I'm pretending everything's great. I settled a lawsuit a couple months later and I settled it for zero. So when it was said and done, my attorney was paid, my debt was paid. I remember going to the flower mart, Jessica, and buying flowers for my attorney and her team who so courageously helped me through all of this. And I'm literally spending the last $150 off this settlement. I'm going, oh, this this was probably a really bad idea. But this photographer, and this is sometimes I think how things go in life, gave me this idea to the stock photography syndication. I mean, that's, that's the idea he gave me because we kept selling more and more of his images. And so now I'm going like, well, I have a great idea for another business that builds on everything I've ever done. And I'm building up the stock photography business, and it was for architecture, interior, celebrity homes. And so, if you would go into your local bank and you you know you make a deposit or you want to refinance your house, and there's this picture behind that you know says with this beautiful house, do you want to refinance your house? That would be an image that would have come to us. You go to your local paint store, you pick up the paint brochure, you see like all these houses with different colors on the windows and the walls. Those would be images that we have provided. You pick up a Coffee table book about interior design. My images to this day are in these books, and so this is all great, except that I don't have any income because I'm building this up, you know, in the aftermath of September 11th, you know, in a massive recession that that occurred afterward, and that an economic downturn. So I'm going into debt again, but I have a brilliant idea, and so we are, you know, now back. I'm back, hundred thirty-five thousand dollars in debt. And this time I had to borrow money to pay interest on borrowed money. And it got pretty, got pretty, pretty dicey there. So I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna fly to Europe, gonna see my dad, drum up some business, go to a conference, see if I can get some distribution agreements. And my dad has a stroke, but my father didn't have a stroke. My father had pancreatic cancer. And so he dies six weeks later. So now I'm in Nether Bavaria in this picturesque town on this, you know, this beautiful little hill with this 14th century Baroque church. I've just buried my dad. My phone rings. It's my office in Los Angeles and tells me we've just been served a notice. I'm losing the house on top of everything. So I fell to my knees and I raised my fist. I yelled at God and I said, if you have a plan, this would be blank, a really good time. To fill me in. And then I had to surrender because I literally had done everything I could. There was nothing else I could do. And we buried my dad. That was that. I came back. I get a letter from the White House a couple months later. Because in my desperation, I had written a letter to the president of the United States. And I did that because my former mother-in-law just wouldn't wouldn't stop talking about, he's your president. If anybody can help you, it's the president of the United States. Why don't you write a letter to the president? If anybody can help you, have you written the letter to the president yet? And so at at some point, Jessica, I'm going like, I am writing this damn letter just so I do not have to talk to you about this anymore. Well, imagine my surprise when I get a letter from the White House. (laughs) And it says the President sends his best wishes. <laughs> of course, the president of the United States never saw this letter. But what it did do, it put me in touch with a small business administration here in the United States, which is a government organization helping you to figure out how to how to get funding and, and run your business. And because it was from the White House, it, it went to the second in command, not some underling. So I walk in, You know, we do our thing. He says, I'll put in what you put in. Three months later, they found me a bank who took my $135,000 in debt, restructured it in a 10-year fixed loan. That freed up my line of credit. That brought me three months later to break even. 18 months later, I'm the world leader in my category. And that's when a Bill Gates company came and says, huh, can you tell us how you do it? Like any decent woman, I said, absolutely not you want it you pay for it <laughs> and they said how much you. and they said how much do you want i said millions and they said fine and that's how i sold my business to Bill Gates. your stock photography yes syndication so syndication. what made us what what made us a contender for acquisition was that the strategy i had was that i went after the a listers in the industry and the a listers a list photographers work with the A list architects and the A list interior designers, and they work for the A listers in Hollywood. And so, next thing I know, I have Julian Moore, Moore's home in New York, Francis Ford Coppola, Simon Baker, Terry Hatcher, Naomi Campbell. I mean, it's the who's who in Donna Karen and the celebrity world. I have all their 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 homes. Because my photographers, as the best photographers, working with the best, shoot the best. And then they said, can you do something with this? Well, I was a photo editor at Elle magazine. I used to buy these stories. Yeah, of course I know what to do with it. And because I did, I made this, you know, I didn't invent at-home stories, but I made it a worldwide phenomenon. We were the, the world leader in the category and that's how we sold it.
0: But Wow! Like that is that is a journey and a half. Like you went front, back, sideways, up and down, and round around again.
1: I mean, crazy. And when you tell the story, and this is this is half of it, you know. And then in the middle of it, one of my key vendors, Fernando Bengochea, vanished and was killed in this big tsunami, and it was all over the news. That was Nate Berkus, the Nate Berkus. That was his partner at the time. And Nate yes, Berkes, it was in
0: Sri Lanka. I think yeah. I remember that story of them. That was missing. my,
1: yeah, that was my main photographer. And so just after my father had had died, and then a year later, I'm hearing, you know, I get a call and says, do you have a statement about Fernando Bengueti? I said, a statement about what? And I said, do you not know? I said, "No, what? And they said, you know, it was a report that turned on the TV and I just screamed. I'm like, is this ever going to end? So 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 that came right before, you know, I had the big I had the big breakthrough. And then, you know, I got the notice we had to leave the other house that we then had moved in. I mean, it was just it, it was so complex that. That there were times I'm like, this is just not normal. I mean, who goes through all of this? Like, what is wrong here? And now looking back, you know, this goes back to the theme of your show. Well, now what is a very legitimate question that I have asked myself many, many, many times, right? Well, my key photographer just vanished and died in a tsunami in Sri Lanka. Now what? So there's always a, you know, this happened and now what? And then you just pick yourself up and you move forward.
0: Sure, there are many sub-stories sub, sub stories within this main story, as you mentioned, along the exactly. way. But wow, how you have to have faith to be able to navigate a journey like this.
1: I get that question a lot. What was it that made you not run away screaming? Well, mm-hmm. first of all, I was running screaming plenty. So, yeah, it's, it's just said that at the end of the day, and I think people people who know me know this about me: I rather die than give up. There, there really is something deep inside of me, and on whether that's my childhood trauma and what I heard growing up on how worthless I was, that giving up to me would be making the people that said things like that to me then ultimately succeed and be right in what they said, whether that's because I wanted to prove myself right. I can't answer that with great precision, but I will say that I have a internal drive that just can't give up. It just can't. It, it, for, for me to walk away from something, it will require an extraordinary amount of adversity because I've had so much adversity.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I think there are people like you who, just as you said, internally, there is that that fuel that just does not go out. It is always burning. It might be a little bit dimmer, a little bit softer burn at times than others, but it's always burning and like driving you to move forward and figure out the next thing.
1: Yes. I think that's a fair assessment in Possibly something to point out for your listeners is to say, like, if we go into the spiritual model of of life or success, Mm -hmm. and we say, what are the teachings that the universal teachings of success, and it is having a burning desire to achieve something and having a mindset of a, not, is it possible, but a mindset of, I know it's possible, how? And one of my favorite teachings around this really is that if you think about it, even in caveman times, solar, Tesla, batteries, science, AI existed. I mean, nobody came to this planet and brought as additional resources, or Mm -hmm. it's not like somebody dropped off the first computer from if you really think about it it's always already been here the entire time it was just until somebody had an idea to start to invent something that then led exactly led to the next step and the next step and the next step so we don't even know what the next step is now because we may have not been able to visualize it yet but if i take that concept then i know that everything must be possible because if i can conceive it then it must must be possible and if your brain is not exploding at this very moment then the question I ask what does that mean for you? Where are you playing too small? And where are you now settling for something? And so that goes now to the question you sold your business to Bill Gates and now what? Yeah. I could have and I did intend to, to take a lot of time off, go shopping at Neiman Marcus Bergdorf Goodman and, you know, and whatever.
0: Vacation and like travel and do, do all the luxurious things, maybe buy one of those luxury houses that you used to shoot.
1: There you go. You got it. So I walked with my daughter into Neiman Marcus and I look at the t-shirts and it's like 200 for a t-shirt.
0: And then my daughter out of their mind. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. And then my daughter comes with this, like, Oh mom, look, here's a Burberry coat. I'm like, Oh, that's kind of cute. How much is it? That's $2,595. I'm like, what for a trench coat. And so I turned around and walked out and I said, that's never been important to me. And interestingly enough, nothing changed. It, Still wasn't important to me, even though I thought that that was something that I aspired to do. But then when the day came, it really wasn't. I mean, it, it meant nothing to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then the question comes: Now what?
0: Yeah, technically, you could retire at this point, but
1: yeah, and the, and, and, the, and and the flame
0: and, in your gut is going to probably tell you that ain't happening, girlfriend. That is not you.
1: No, no. Interesting that you picked up on this so quickly. And so <laughs>
0: that's. Exactly
1: right. And then you sit there and you go, I can't just like do nothing. I can't just like get my nails done, my hair done, work out, go to the beach and make that my life. I mean, I felt that that's not what I came here for. So I knew that there was something else. And then I was sitting in a mastermind and I had an idea that I shared and it was like so quiet in the room, you could hear a pin drop. And then my friend Christian came to me and he said to me, have you ever thought about that? God gave you this so you could do that. And I'm, and I'm, I'm rolling my eyes. I'm looking at him. I'm like, really seriously. But I knew that there was so much truth in, in that. That sometimes when you do something, that's a much larger, much larger thing that you should be doing. And so that's been, been the journey in the day since is to, to figure out how can I take all this knowledge that I've acquired in these crazy, crazy moments of my life and help others to run their businesses, have a, a good life, and and move consistently forward and be happy in the process. And that's that's what I'm doing
0: which is essentially, you know, an ultimate goal for everybody is have purpose, help others, enjoy the ride and see where it'll take you.
1: That's exactly right. And so that I think is ultimately, you know, and I know this is the the theme of your podcast is like when people have done something and then this, this very important question. Now, what comes Mm -hmm. That, that is, that is your inner purpose. Why your, your, your value, your mission, your vision is everything combined in this big, big ball of fire that has to drive you. Because if it doesn't burn bright enough to drive you, then there's no point doing it because then you're burning out. So when I get up and, you know, it's been, my gosh, with COVID and, and, and this perpetual whiplash of we're going this way. No, just kidding. No, everything's going this way. Just kidding. Consultants are everything. Just kidding. All the budgets are frozen to, I mean, it's, 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 it's so intense right now. Now AI and, you know, we have, you know, people going out of business because of AI, because now. Copywriters are
0: like, Oh, we don't need to. That's why they're striking. They that, yeah.
1: That's why they're striking here in LA is because they are they're all worried about how does this how does this change and so how do you take the story of perpetual adversity which is life there is no safety never was it's an illusion to think that you know life always goes like this the question is your question now what is the only question everybody should ask themselves every single day now what
0: all right, so you sell your business to Bill Gates. You start an, a, a new gig. You're helping others. You're doing what you're love. You're loving. You and your daughter have a great life. Today, what's what's your now what? If, what did you say? now what now? What to today? As you woke up?
1: Yeah. So so the the now what went through several different iterations. Of mm-hmm. course, as you would expect because of market conditions and then things happen and then something changes. And then you go like, I don't really want that. That doesn't resonate with me or that's too difficult or that does too much time, effort and money, or I don't, I just don't want to do it anymore. So I arrived, you know, I work with a lot of visionaries with people that have big ideas that people that, that know that there's something to, to what they want to contribute and they're impact driven. So we, we, we really only work with impact driven business owners. And when they come to me, they're typically at a place where they say, I am, I am, my family's in the way of me working more. And they kind of know that's a problem. They're about to blow up their personal lives because they're always working. They take Mm -hmm. a lot of their self-esteem out of their work and they are so burned out and so exhausted that they know they need to scale, but they're the only one, of course, that can do what they do. And so they're in this perpetual, I call this the slave master relationship, where they are the slave and the business is the master, and they don't know how to get out of it. So I come in, I help them build what we call a signature growth system. And the system takes everything they know and builds a you know umbrella over it. And then we take it and we slice it. And then we say, well, this piece is a workshop, this piece is coaching, this piece is an online place, this piece is a mastermind. And as we help them to figure these pieces out, now we can say, which of these pieces should you do? And which of these pieces can we now bring in other people? Because when you have a system, I can train people in the method. Mm -hmm. And so suddenly, then they become actually the CEO or the chairman of the board and now other people can execute because when we have a system, and the best example I can give is Pilates. So Pilates was a dancer who got injured and he couldn't find something that would help specifically dancers in the recovery part. So he designed the reformer and exercises. And so Pilates now is a system and a licensing model and a product line that is spanning the entire world all because he had an idea that he turned into a system that he then maximized genius. It is so simple. It's ridiculous.
0: And that's what you help more people do is take those genius ideas that are genius, but can do nothing until there is actually a proper system to put it out into the world in the best way possible.
1: Yes. Because it, it, it that's what business is about. And that's my, that is my zone of genius. I only have to hear somebody talk about this, and in my mind, it's already building the system. And then I'll go like, "Well, what I'm really hearing you say is really a five step process. So what you do is that, and then like, what did yeah. you just do? I'm like,
0: what? Like this is how my brain works. You mean you didn't? You know, no one else thinks of this.
1: It's like you didn't know
0: this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that is fantastic. And that's that's such a great analogy because Pilates, as you said, yes, is like a global phenomenon and it all yep. came from this one idea.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. We jam-packed so much into this story and I'm sure there are so many other things that you can be sharing with us today for sure. But I want to thank you for that inspiring story of, what you do when life comes at you, and you got to figure out what to do next. What are you excited about right now for the future? Like as you said, it is a chaotic time right now. There's lots of change happening. I'm I'm going to make the assumption that you are somebody who embraces change.
1: You know, sometimes I I, I wake up and I do I do raise my fist and I yell at God. I'm like seriously again. But I you know, and I I certainly had a, a rough start to the year. A lot of the budgets froze and. And so I looked at it and I'm like, okay, so what do I do? And, you know, I don't want to use the word pivot because I think everybody's just going to throw up when they hear that word. But what it is, is like this perpetual adjustment of the business model. If the business model would have worked, then we wouldn't be in this position that we are in. So everybody who listens, you really got to, myself included, you included, everyone has to say what's working right now and what's not working because the the things that just worked six months ago already not working anymore. So you have to figure out the one system, the piece that is working now, and redefine the core. And so that's what we're doing right now. That's what gets me really excited, because then I think, well, if if I have this issue, then a lot of other people must be having this issue. So if you know, and I will give you an example so we can really talk about this. So I have a, a group on LinkedIn called the Small the Entrepreneur and Small Business Forum. We have like sixty thousand members in it. It's like one of the top entrepreneur groups. But everybody who goes in there goes in there because they want to market to other people. But then the per- person that's being marketed to is upset because they came to market. So now you have sixty thousand people that just want to market to each other, which is like which is horrendous. So now we started to ask people, it's like, why are you even in the group? And they go like, well, you know, I want to make a connection, I want to provide value and I want to find clients. I'm like, yeah, but if you come to this to market and you market to people that want to market to you, you're in a pitch fest competition. And then mm-hmm. I said, the reason I'm asking is like, is it working? And then they get very quiet. But then my brain goes like, well, so if 60,000 people all came for the same reason and now they all have the same problem what's the solution to the problem? Like, what can we do to help them to make this valuable and stop being so bloody annoying to everybody else? You know, so that's, that's what gets me excited. is like, where's the opportunity. I'm like, always thinking about where's the opportunity in this.
0: And that is something that everyone, as you said, waking up every day should be now asking themselves the now what question. And, you know what's possible is the other question that I love every day is like what's possible today because what was possible today may not have been possible yesterday and and where do I fit in or how do I how do I serve this
1: up exactly and and on the topic of what's possible so I tell you what is possible right now what's possible for all of your listeners is you can go wherever you pick up the show and subscribe Give Jessica a five-star review, ideally with a nice little comment of one tangible takeaway. And please share the episode with one other person who needs to hear what we talked about today.
0: Absolutely. I- agreed. I'll double down on that one. Thank you. All right. So where do you where do you like to hang out? Where can people find you? Because I know there is a ton of knowledge in that brain. And if people want to, you know, get some more goods from you, where do you like to hang out? Where do you share your stuff?
1: Yeah. So there's a couple of things. So, so for those who have listened and says, OMG, I do need to speak to her. I offer them a complimentary 15 minute uncovery session. So you just go to uncoverysession.com and speak to one of our business growth advisors. In 15 minutes, we can help pinpoint sort of where the business is uh, and what the next step is to solve some of these issues because, you know, they are all highly, highly trained advisors. So if you want to figure out how to fix something that you think is not working, and if you think it's not working, it's not working, just schedule the uncovery session right now. The other thing is if you are not quite ready for that, but you want to feel like you have a block in your business, you can go take our quiz at growthblockerquiz.com, where I help you figure out what the number one business growth blocker is that you're facing. Other than that, look me up on LinkedIn or social media under Beate Chalette or the Growth Architect DM me and uh, let me know. You heard me on the show. I always love to hear from the audience.
0: I'd love it. And yes, everyone take her up on this offer. She may be one of the most brilliant women I've had the honor of sitting down with for the last 45 minutes. And she sold her business to Bill Gates if you if you need a reminder. So I think she knows what she's talking about and she could probably help you out with a, a couple of your business things. Thank you so much for joining me today. This has been fantastic. Again, as she said, if this episode resonated with you, give it a like, a share and a subscribe. And if you know somebody who is going through something similar or needs some support in this space, please, please, please share this episode with them because it may help them figure out their very own, now what? Okay, that's it from us. And we'll see you next week for another episode. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than I can say. Did you love this episode of I Just Blank, Now What?